Welcome to the Twee Couch Guitar Therapy Session where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on spring cleaning gear purge and a life-changing diagnosis. Sometimes you just feel claustrophobic. You go one direction in tone, then another, then another. You join new bands. You scratch the itch of the new gadget. You find a deal that you just can't pass up. Years go by, and then you see it, and you feel it. Cluttered and claustrophobic. Now, I realize this is a blessing, and I also realize that this is a first-world problem. So today, we will talk about my recent gear purge and my justification of it. Also, we are going to talk about where I've been for the last couple of months and the life-changing diagnosis that has led to my current situation and my new normal. But what gear is Dr. T getting rid of? How do you choose what goes? Will there be any regrets? What life-changing event happened in the last eight weeks? Can I still continue to podcast over 40 times a year? Will the dynamic or the format change? And what does this mean for the fate of the Tweed Couch? Well, we will discuss this and more on the Tweed Couch. Well, if this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to listen to one of the other episodes first and then come back to this one. If you have been listening for a while, then I suspect that this will probably help you understand why it is that I have been absent for two months. Now, first, a disclaimer. We are all doing just fine. The reason for my gear purge has less to do with financial issues and has more to do with a need to regain control of something in my life. My wife actually told me not to sell anything because she thought that I was being irrational, which, by the way, this is a fine woman right there. Someone who is so supportive and loves to see you happy that she actually puts her foot down on you selling gear. So, we made a compromise. No guitars or amps would be sold, although I have a list of what I would choose, so we're probably going to go over that later, but... Most of this stuff are pedals and, and different things. So with all that said, let's get started with Dr. T's spring cleaning gear purge, and then we will close with what is the fate of the tweed couch and what is this life-changing diagnosis you speak of. So let's get started. The place we're going to go ahead and start is the pedal purge. And this should be no surprise to anybody that I'm purging pedals because I have been a huge fan of modelers for so very long. I've been using the Line 6 M9 and M13 for nearly a decade, and then I switched over to the HXFX, and it is spectacular as well. And there are many reasons why I love modelers. And so at this time, I just don't use the pedals, and there are so many great pedals out there. So... Let's start with the one that is probably the biggest high dollar one that I have, and that is I am selling my Analog Man King of Tone version four. It has the four jack mod. It has the high gain mod on the red side as well as the yellow side. It's a fantastic pedal. I actually love it at 18 volts. It sounds amazing. And the reason why I'm selling it is because I generally play my HX effects. That's it. 
does the HX effects actually sound like the KOT? It's close. It's real close. And I absolutely love what it can do, but not enough to keep it. It's a fantastic pedal. It was worth owning. It was worth scratching the itch. It is a great pedal, and I am so glad that I got a chance to use it. It was a five-year waiting list. I did two videos with it. I got my use out of it, and I'm going to go ahead and let somebody else get their use out of it as well. One of the best parts about that pedal is the fact that it has the effects loop in it. Because I did the 4-jack mod, and having the effects loop adds another pedal in if I so choose. And if I don't, then I just leave it disconnected. And this cool little feature is amazing for if you're like, oh, I'd like a Tube Screamer right in front of the boost. Or I would like to have the King of Tone Overdrive go right into a Wampler Bell and then go into this boost or whatever. And, you know, it was a good mod. I'm glad I did that mod. If you are ordering an Analog Man King of Tone, then you definitely should look in getting that 4-jack mod because it was useful when I wanted it. Otherwise, it didn't matter. All right, the next one on my list is actually a similar circuit, and I decided to sell off my Greer Lightspeed. Fantastic pedal. A matter of fact, there were times where I thought that it was better than the King of Tone. And yeah, I said it. And it sounds amazing at what it does. But at the same time, how many drives does a man need? And all the drives is not an option. You have to have a certain amount. And I like lots of them. But generally, I stick to more of that Timmy, which is more of that type of a circuit, that Tube Screamer, Klon, so when I really looked at it, I went, you know, it's just going to sit here because I got a modeler that does something quite similar and I like it. So I'm going to do that. So I am selling off my Moon Silver Greer Lightspeed and it's a great pedal. I hope somebody really likes it. I just couldn't justify keeping it if I wasn't going to use it. The next one I have on my list is another silver pedal. This silver pedal is a Klon clone and it is made by J Rocket. It is the Archer. Great pedal also. I actually appreciate that it has a buffer in it. You know how like if you have too many of the true bypass pedals in a row that all of a sudden you start to lose tone and you go to click on things and it doesn't work? Recently, I was hanging out with my brother in Minneapolis and he was having this exact problem. And I said, well, maybe you need to put a buffer in there. And he was like, well, I don't have a single pedal that is a buffer. And I was like, you don't have a boss pedal. You're telling me you have no boss pedals. He was like, no, I went, you need a boss pedal. And he said, I work so hard to have all these high quality pedals and they're all true bypass. I'm not putting a boss pedal in there. And we just happened to be doing an event. And matter of fact, it was a Minneapolis event. That's what started my whole hiatus of not being able to podcast is because I was busy doing that Minneapolis event. And you know what? I'm going to have Lloyd come on. We are going to talk about it because Lloyd and I did that show together. And we'll, you know what? We'll have a good time. We'll talk about it. But back to the point of this, and that is that we were at that show, and sure enough, John, who's on the podcast, he ended up having a TU2 tuner from Boss, 
and lent it to Paul and Paul plugged it in the chain and went, dang it, all my tones back. Like, yeah, it's because you needed a buffer. And here we are. I've got this J Rocket Archer, which is a clone of a Klon, and it actually has a buffer in it. So if he wanted to use that, he could put that in instead of his Wampler Tumnus, and he probably would gain all that tone back in because of the buffer in there. Well, I'm selling mine, but like I said, I got a little bit of heartburn on this J Rocket Archer. I love it. I love the pedal. It's a great pedal. Honestly, for what I'm going to sell it for used, because it's real beat up, that's how much I loved it, I probably should just hold on to it. But sometimes you just got to let it go. All right, the next one I have is the Joyo American Sound. And I used this exclusively for three years as my amplifier at a church. You might be like, it's a pedal. How did you use it as an amplifier? Well, for whatever reason, it sounded decent through that system. Now, of course, the system wasn't amazing to begin with. I had played my Eggnator Tweaker 30, or sorry, Tweaker 15. I had played a Super Champ at one point. I had played a Vox AC 15. I had a number of different amps in that room trying to make it sound really good, mic'd up in a closet. And one day I decided to give a shot on a $30 pedal, which nowadays is going for closer to $50, and it sounded great. It did an amazing job of being very fendery to give me somewhat of a pedal platform. And then I would use a drive, usually a tube screamer, because I like tube screamers. I like the mid hump they give. I like the color they give. And it sounded great for what I needed it to be able to do. So this Joyo American Sound, for those that don't know what it does, is it has all of these different settings on there to gain volume, gain drive. Of course, your three-band EQ, you get your bass, middle, treble. But it also has this voice knob. And that allows you to get more of the tweed sound or more of the blackface sound of a Fender amplifier. Does it sound like a Fender amplifier through a sound system? No. Does it sound like a mic'd Fender amplifier through a sound system? Kind of, because after all, the mic is going to add color, the sound system is going to add color, and when you need to be silent and you have a really good sound tech, then it doesn't necessarily matter. So it worked well for me. I liked it a lot. Since then, I have owned a Kemper, and I have owned the Quad Cortex, and I don't need it anymore. So that's the reason why I decided I'm going to go ahead and let it go. And I am going to sell my Joyo American Sound. I was able to justify it. The next one on my list is probably the most brilliant wah pedal ever created. I have had the Vox V847A. I have had the Dunlop Crybaby. It is by far leaps and bounds better than both of them. And you might be like, why would you say that two iconic wah pedals are not nearly as great as this one wah pedal in which I'm willing to talk about? And that is because of the pot. I am tired of scratchy pots. I, I know, you, you just put a little bit of tuner cleaner in there and then it cleans them up. And you're right, it does that for a little bit. 
and then you have to do it again, and then you have to do it again, and then the pot dies, and then you have to replace it. And I have had to replace multiple pots in these wah pedals, and I was sick of it. I was done with it, and that's the reason why this pedal, which is actually discontinued, is brilliant. It is the Morley Volume Wah. It's a mini Volume Wah, actually, and it's brilliant because it's optical. So it uses a LED to send across a light signal to a sensor, and that tells you where the pitch is. So basically, the amount of light being sent in gives you where the sweep is of the volume or the wah, because this is a volume wah. I did end up doing a mod to this, which is completely reversible. Basically, if you just tilt the LED, I mean, literally, with some pliers, tilt the thing up just a touch, you could actually change where the LED hit the sensor, and you could increase the amount of sweep, whether it be the volume or the wah, because it is a volume wah, and because of that change in sweep, you could get a little bit more of the highs, a little bit more of the lows, maybe slow down the sweep, you could do a whole lot of different things. So it's brilliant, you don't need a soldering iron, you don't need to add resistors, you literally just bend the LED a little bit more. I'm, I'm telling you, look it up, it is well worth it, it is a fantastic, volume wah. I only got rid of it because it was a little bit big. You know, you're like, it's a mini. It shouldn't be that big. Well, because it's a Morley, the switch isn't on the toe of the sweep. Instead, it's off to the side. So you have to click the switch. Now it's in wah mode. Go to it, click the switch, and now it's in volume mode. And I didn't want to deal with all that stuff. The optical side, though, brilliant. So, I'm selling it off because I ended up getting something else that is smaller and did a fine job. Unfortunately, it does have a pot that I don't like. When it comes to the rest of the pedals that I have, I have two things that is really four things. And I know you're like, that doesn't make sense. Two things that is really four things. But it's because I'm selling three of them together. I have, from back in 1999 the Dan Electro pedal board case. It was the purple thing that came with like the five daisy chain options for the Dan Electro mini pedals, which you might be like a mini pedal from Dan Electro. Like, did those really sound all that good? They sounded good, but they were not like fantastic. And as far as quality is concerned, they were okay in quality. But it was really cool to get them all to be able to fit in one case. Matter of fact, Boss does something very similar to this, and they've been doing it for a long time. Well, Dan Electro, they did it as well. So this purple case, you just take off the lid, and now there it is, a pedal platform ready to go. You can put five pedals in it. I am selling that case with the daisy chain, and I'm also selling two of the mini pedals. And the mini pedals are really cool. If you remember way back when, they had them all named after like food. It was like there was tuna, there was BLT, there was pastrami, there was all these different ones. And mine, mine was a pastrami. So I have the pastrami overdrive. It sounds okay-ish. That's about all I can say for it. 
And I also have the tuner. And you might be like, well, what's the cool name that goes with the tuner? It doesn't have one because I guess it wasn't cool enough to get something named after a deli snack or something. But either way, I've got two pedals that's going to go with it. I have not used this thing in 20 years, so it's just been sitting here collecting dust. It's probably time for me to go ahead and sell it. Now, the last thing on my list for pedals is actually not even a pedal, because as it would make sense, if I'm getting rid of a bunch of pedals, do I really need all the power supplies that would go to it? So I'm going to sell my True Tone CS12. And this is one of the greatest power supplies I have ever owned. I have had it for a long time, at least 15 years, and it's been just a great workhorse. Anytime I want to wire up a pedal board, the CS12 is on it. Interestingly enough, I have never actually racked the thing. So I've never actually put it on a pedal board and had it like hanging underneath a pedal train or anything. So I have all the brackets. They've just never been used. Instead, usually what I would do is just Velcro it to an actual pedal board and then put a little tray on top of it and add pedals on top. So this thing is in fantastic condition. It has all the cables and all the everything. And I can never speak highly enough of True Tone because True Tone, even back when they were visual sound, matter of fact, if you go back to one of the early podcasts, I talked about it. Bob Weil is a stand-up individual. He's a great man who uh, stands by his product and is just happy to be in the industry with musicians doing their craft. He is a fantastic man. So I am, I love this, this piece. I just don't use it. So it is time to go ahead and sell it off and find something else that I can be a supporter of True Tone on because they are an amazing company and deserve anything I can do. All right, so that is it for the pedals. So this brings me to rack gear. And that's where I have a number of different things. And I'm done with rack gear. I, it's not that rack gear is bad. It is just that I am done with it. I don't need it. So I am selling off my Behringer XR18, which is a soundboard but it's not a soundboard. It's something that you rack in and it looks like a snake. It has 18 channels. It's 16 of them are combo jacks where you could do a quarter inch or you could do an XLR. It has a bunch of different like outputs like auxiliaries so that you can run monitors. It has its regular XLR outs for the mains. It is incredibly powerful. It was way more overkill than I really needed it to be. The reason why I bought it was because there were times where I would get a gig and they would say, I want you to do vocals, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, and mandolin. And I would say, okay, sounds good. I'm going to need four channels. And they would say, you have one. So I got this in order to be able to mix down 
and do this type of a gig. And nowadays, I don't really deal with that anymore. There's usually plenty of channels available for me to be able to do this. And if there's not, then they will just deal with what they get. And I've been using it for the podcast. I've been using it for the YouTube channel, but I really don't necessarily need it for what I do because I do have the Zoom H6, which gives me four inputs in order to be able to throw in XLR or I could put in quarter inch and do pretty much everything that I need to do for either the podcast or for the YouTube channel. And the thing is, is that the XR18, even though it's great to be able to have it and be able to use an iPad to be able to run things and be wireless from it all, I just don't need it for what I do. So someone else will need it, someone else will want it, and the cool thing is, is that it's worth probably twice what I paid for it, so that's nice as well, so I'm going to go ahead and get rid of it. The next thing that's on my list is also a piece of rack gear that people may not look at as rack gear, and that is my Waza tube amp expander. It's been great. Actually, I did a video, and the reason why I did the video was because I wasn't sure that I really needed a Waza tube amp expander. I wasn't sure that I needed any kind of attenuator because I love the master volume on my Marshall. But the reason why I got a Waza tube amp expander a attenuator was because I wanted to do more YouTube stuff and I didn't have a whole lot of mics. So now I have mics. And I like the way the mics sound. So I did that little shootout of attenuator or master volume on my YouTube channel. And sure enough, in the end, I preferred the master volume. It was so minuscule, the difference, but it was there for me. And so because of that, I am getting rid of it. And I hope someone else loves it. The next piece of rack gear that I have is actually a receiver for a wireless. So I used to run my Kemper racked and the Kemper needed a wireless. So I used my Line 6 G90 receiver and I put all that together. I have not used rack gear in probably four years now. So it is time for me to get rid of it. I've been a huge fan of the G90. I've been a big fan of the G50 and I've been a big fan of the G30 by Line 6 because they do a great job of being able to give that connectivity and that portability at a great price point. Unfortunately, I just don't need the G90 anymore. So I'm going to go ahead and sell that thing off. The last thing on this rack gear thing is actually three things. And you might go, what? Hold on. Well, I'm tired of this whole like two for four and one for three and all that. But hear me out. I have three racks. I have a Rockville 4U rack bag. I have a Seismic Audio 3U rack case and I have another seismic audio 3U rack case. So there are three different rack cases and if I'm getting rid of rack gear, then I don't need rack cases. So I'm going to sell those things off. The last of the things that I'm getting rid of is something that I used initially with my YouTube channel and that is I had a shotgun mic. It was a newer shotgun 
NW81, I think is what it is. It's a cool little shotgun mic. I used it because I needed something to kind of keep my kids from coming into the audio. So I wanted something a little more focused. It took a ton of EQ to make this thing sound even close to what I sound like. And sure enough, here it is. I've got enough mics and ways of miking and doing things that I'm just done with it. It's time to sell it. It's super cheap. Like It's like a $20 mic. So enjoy for whoever is going to end up with that thing. To close out all the things that I was going to be selling off, I'm going to finish with the things that my wife put her foot down and said, nope, it's not leaving this house. And I, they're all guitars. Okay, so there are three of them. And one is the Gibson Explorer. And you might go, what? Why would you get rid of the Gibson Explorer? That is a great guitar. And you are correct. It plays fast. It plays in tune always. It sounds amazing. Those burst buckers are awesome. The nostalgia of it, the fact that it is that 50 style, even though it's a 2020, there are so many great things about that guitar. But the reason why I could justify selling it has everything to do with transporting it to the gig. It does not fit in my 2011 GT Mustang convertible. I cannot put it in the trunk. So it has to sit in the front seat, but it also has to have the front seat tilted back a little bit, which means anybody who drives with me is uncomfortable and unable to enjoy the ride. So because of that, it has been a little bit of a bother and I'm ready to sell it. But my wife says no. Thanks, honey. The next one I have is a Martin 0015E Retro, which, by the way, plugged in is one of the greatest sounding acoustics I've ever heard. But when I play it unplugged, it's okay. It's really light, crazy light guitar. It has a matte finish, and I'm not a huge fan of a matte finish, but it really does play and sound great plugged in. So because of that, I was looking to get rid of it. And my wife said, Nope, you're not selling guitars. And I'm actually playing it this weekend. And I played it before I went to practice acoustically. And I went, yeah, I mean, it's a good guitar. But it's, it's not great. I've always wanted a Martin. This is not the image in my head of what a Martin would sound like. And then I went to practice and I plugged it in and I went, dang, this thing sounds really good, which is odd because most of the time people go, gosh, I wish my pickup sounded more like my guitar. I'm the opposite. In this one, I wish that the guitar plugged in sounded more like the guitar unplugged. So it's it's a great guitar. I'm holding on to it, but we'll just see where things go. The last one I have on the list of the things to go in the spring cleaning Guitar Purge, I think, will actually end up going, but not yet. It'll probably go this summer. And that is, I have a Fender Telecaster that started out life as a Squire CVC, the Custom Vibe Classic guitar. It's double bound. It has this beautiful rosewood fretboard on a maple neck. It plays great. It sounds decent. I changed the pickups. It plays great. It sounds great. I changed the neck. 
It plays phenomenal. It sounds great. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that you start changing over time. Well, I changed enough things on this that I went, wow, this is great. And it was my main touring guitar for fly gigs for probably 10 to 12 years. So the question that probably needs to come up is, why would you sell it? And the answer is because I don't play it. And the reason why I don't play it is because I have a 1973 Telecaster Custom. It sounds phenomenal. It plays phenomenal. It does all the things that I want it to do. And because of that, I end up not playing this classic vibe custom that I put a new neck on. Quick story about this guitar, because the person that I'm going to sell it to is actually the people I've been playing it with for the last 10 to 12 years. Lynn and Thomas are really interested in owning this guitar. Part of it is because of their nostalgia. The other part of it is just because Lynn actually really enjoys playing the guitar. So I'm thinking about selling it to them and letting them have it. It, it really is everything it should be and everything that it was never designed to be all in the same guitar. So I hope they really enjoy it and I have not sold it yet, but I'm guessing that's where it's going. All right, this is where we should probably take a break for our sponsors. And when I come back, I'll explain my absence and potential future of the Tweed Couch. So here's a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Here's another sponsor. Are you wanting to join a party with a purpose? If you love music and camping, then come to LifeFest in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'll see you there. Here's our last sponsor. Since 2003, the Kretzmann Guitar Company has been repairing and building guitars. In 2021, Kretzmann started a production of a solid body electric guitar for anyone student to expert. You can check them out at kretzmannguitars.com. All right, we're back. And, you know, to start all of this on explaining where I've been the last couple of months is we will first talk about my professions thus far. My first full-time profession was being a musician. It has landed me in garages, studios, churches, coffee houses, arenas, stadiums, bars, festivals, Oktoberfests, rooftops, flatbed trailers, boats, and backyard bashes all over the country. I've met rock stars and producers, played with rock and roll hall of famers, virtuosos, and some of the best singers and songwriters in the world. I am honored and humbled. My second full-time profession was being a chiropractor. Many people think of chiropractors as massage therapists and physical therapists, but really, we're neither. One of the major differences is that we have the right to diagnose musculoskeletal conditions and treat them. The others can only treat based off of someone else's diagnosis, like an MD, medical doctor, or a DC, a doctor of chiropractic. Because of this, we spend a lot of time not just looking at what you have, but also what else could it represent. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out the why. Why do you have back pain? Why do you have numbness? Why do you have chest pain? Why? Because that can give us a lot of information. 
my latest full-time profession is actually being a high school science teacher. Currently, I teach anatomy and physiology and our state-tested biology, but I have also taught chemistry and physics, and recently I was actually promoted to lead teacher, which means I do a whole lot of administrative roles, and I have a lot of things on my plate to kind of make sure that I'm managing the staff. Another thing that I've been given the honor of is that I read the names at graduation. So I'm going to stand in front of a mic and I'm going to read names that I have never heard before in front of about 10,000 people. So anxiety and fear and all that stuff may be coming into play, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's going to be awesome and again, honored to be able to do this. So this brings up one of the crazy things about all these professions that I've had. Over 25 years, three different professions, and every time I move to the next one, I get called back to do the other one. So for example, I play at church two times a week, and actually, professionally, I will still be playing. So two times this summer, I have some big bookings. One is on Mackinac Island, and I'll be playing bass with Swin and Dean. Also, at LifeFest, I will be playing electric guitar on the grandstand with Lloyd from Echelon. I'll be playing mandolin and acoustic with Lynn Stone King on a side stage, and I will be playing bass with Swin and Dean on a kid stage. If I can make it all happen because I'm still managing stages for this 25,000 plus person per day music festival, then I will actually be playing on four different stages for a total of 10 times over the course of three days. I'll have to get back to you on that one on whether it actually worked out. But back to the professions, I still treat patients on top of all of this pretty much every week. And of course, I teach full-time, and so all of this to say, this is the reason why all of this has caused me to be a little absent from the podcasting on Spotify and the videos on YouTube. But that isn't all the reason why I have not been here, because the big reason why I have not been able to actually do any of these videos or do any podcasts has everything to do with a lifelong diagnosis. Now, I'll spare you all the details because really it's not needed for this. This is a guitar podcast, but basically my son became very sick and based off of the symptoms in which he had, I started to believe that he might be in to a condition called ketoacidosis, which is usually found in newly diagnosed diabetic patients. And I refuse to believe it because after all, I'm a chiropractor. I deal with musculoskeletal. I I don't deal with the internal side of things. So I decided I'm going to make an appointment with the primary care physician. And we went there, took a couple hours to get there, not because it took that long to get there, but because of the waiting time. And we got into the office and they looked him over and they said, nope, gastroenteritis and asthma, which is a fancy way of saying he had the stomach flu and breathing problems. And I agreed with him that he was throwing up and that, you know, he did have labored breathing, but he had elevated heart rate and he had been peeing a lot. And I asked about those things and they said, nope, 
you've been giving them a lot of liquids, you've been doing a lot of things, it's fine. About two hours later, after we'd given him some treatment and everything, he got worse. He got far worse. And at that point, my wife and I went, we've got to go to the hospital. And so we did. And within 15 minutes, they said, he has ketoacidosis and he is showing the signs of a type 1 diabetic. And at that moment, I went, I'm just going to go ahead and bleep out the expletive that I had because I was very upset with myself. And the fact is, is that I still beat myself up about it because eight hours earlier, I knew exactly what he had. And I decided to use their diagnosis instead of mine based off of my education. And I was wrong to believe that they knew better than I did because they did not. Now, in the end, it's the same end result. He's doing fine right now. We need to count carbs. We need to dose him with what he needs. There are times when we are up multiple times a night trying to treat things. There are times in which we have to send him to school and let the nurse at school make sure that he gets enough. There are times when we have to have him drink tons of fluids and have him pee on something to be able to tell us how he's doing. There is so much to this. So I say all this to say the reason why I have not been around the last two months is because there's been a life-changing diagnosis and it's not mine, but I would gladly take it from him if I could, but I can't. And I need to come to grips with that. And instead, I need to be strong for him. That said, um, what does that mean for the fate of the Tweed Couch? And honestly, what that means is I'm going to come in and I am going to do podcasting when I have time. Because after all, I think this is fun. I think it is cool that there is a community that is the Tweed Couch. I think that it's amazing that so many people just are interested in this profession or interested in this hobby or are interested in just the guitar itself. So much so that they would spend 30 minutes to an hour and a half every week wanting to tune in and listen. And for that, I am also honored and I am humbled, and I will continue this for as long as it makes sense, and as long as I can. Now, does that mean that things are going to be quite as perfectly edited as they have been before? Well, I wouldn't say perfect to begin with, but edited, they're going to be less edited. There's going to be more ums, there's going to be more breaks, there's going to be more stammering. That's something I didn't want. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but at the same time, if this is going to come out, it's just going to have to come out more raw. Is it still going to be able to come out weekly? I don't think so. But I will do my best to make it once a month, twice a month, to just keep things moving forward because I really do want to continue this community and just continue this therapy, this conversation. It's good for me. It's good for you, hopefully, and and we'll continue on. What does this mean for my touring schedule? Well, we'll just see. That's that's really the best I can say for it. 
as of right now, Eli is doing great. And what I love about my little 11-year-old is he has said a numerous of times, he doesn't even look at this as his condition. He looks at this as just who he is right now. And he is using it as a way to be able to cope with all the things that are going on. And he is doing far better than his parents. He's healthy. He's doing great. A matter of fact, every once in a while, we'll even talk about people that we know that are type 1 diabetic. And one of the things that I do want to mention on here as we start to wrap things up is there are three people that are pretty big deals in the music community that have type 1 diabetes. And one is Brett Michaels from Poison. Every rose has its thorn. And sure enough, Brett Michaels has his, and that is type 1 diabetes. And I thought that that was pretty amazing. And I actually, I played that for him today. And I said, you know, he has type 1 diabetes. And I played the song and he went, I've heard this song. And I'm like, yep, yep. And he's had a full life. And David Crosby from Crosby, Stills, Nash, The Birds. And, you know, he's had a full life of type 1 diabetes. And another that might be more closer to his time is Nick Jonas from the Jonas Brothers, of course, doing also his own thing. And he has had a very full life doing what he does. And it's all of these people and it's all of these things that let me know there is hope and I continue to have hope. So with all of that said, yes, I will be doing what I can to continue doing the Tweed Couch. I love the fact that people love to listen to this. And if you stop listening, then I'll stop making. But at the same time, I also really love your support. I love your prayers. And in the end, you know what? This is what it is. Thank you so much for being a part of the Tweed Couch. Well, that concludes our time with the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at The Tweed Couch. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time.